product is called the Boyfriend's Arm Pillow. I saw a picture of this. This is actually a pillow where there's a regular body of the pillow, and then coming out from the side is an arm that stretches down with a hand just like this. And it's shown with this woman curled around with this pillow arm. And it even comes with a little white hand and the end. looks like Mickey Mouse's hand. And one woman who purchased these, her, her name is Junko Suzuki. She is a radio DJ in Japan. She says, the $80 pillow makes her feel secure. I like to sleep holding hands, and this pillow makes me feel relaxed because I can hold the arm and feel something warm at my side. Now, there is something in this that speaks to the female makeup that is very difficult for men to grasp. We just passed Valentine's Day. There's a holiday right there that pre presents great challenges to many men. Often great trouble to many men. And I trust that wasn't your case. But in case it was, I want to minister some things to the men to help them understand their wives. Out of Genesis 26, verse 8 through 12, I want to preach a sermon I've called, To Have and to Hold. Let's read verse 8 through 12 together. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us, one of the people? might soon have lain with your wife, and you had brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him to have and to hold. I want to look at three things that women need from their husbands. I want to look, first of all, at the need for security. So again, on the theme of differences, one of the fundamental differences this morning between men and women is testosterone and estrogen. Don't make me explain that any further, please. But <laughs> testosterone is the primary male hormone. This tends to aggression, competitiveness, an adventure. Estrogen is the primary female hormone that tends toward nurturing and we could say nesting or the homemaking urge. And both of these are God-designed. They're God-given. They were intended to equip men and women for their God-given roles in society. And for whatever modern philosophy, pop psychology, I'm not here to tell you what Oprah says. I'm not here to tell you what Dr. Phil says. We're here to tell you what the Word of God says. God has assigned to the man the role of provider and protector of the family, and he has assigned to the woman the primary caregiver of the children and the homemaker. 
And he has equipped men and women individually, physically and emotionally for those tasks. And it's because of this that men or women, I'm sorry, are in a vulnerable position in life. As we read last night in our text, 1 Peter 3, says, Husbands are to dwell with their wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, being heirs together, that your prayers be not hindered. This is why prior to the feminist movement, a potential male suitor had to demonstrate to both the young lady of his interest as well as her father his willingness and ability to be a good provider. Because this is one of the fundamental needs of the woman. This is also one of the failures of the modern feminist movement. What's happened in our generation is that it has produced women who are financially independent from men and at the same time unsatisfied and unfulfilled and their feminine need for a man to provide security for them. We uh, have an article that I gave to Pastor. I don't know if he had time to get this printed out, uh, but perhaps we can get this put out this weekend. It's an article that's talking about this phenomena. It's called Alpha Women Beta Men, and it's about, well, let me read if you'll bear with me a short portion. Wives are increasingly out-earning their husbands, but their new financial muscle is causing havoc in the home. As the wives grow more powerful and confident, their husbands often seem to diminish in direct proportion to their success. First, the wife starts to lose respect for her husband. Then he begins to feel emasculated, and then sex dwindles to a full stop. A woman speaking says, When someone seems like a child, it's not that attractive. In the end, I felt like I had three children instead of her two. As hip and open-minded as they like to think they are, they are, after all, raised on the same fairy tale, the one where Prince Charming comes to the rescue of Sleeping Beauty. Women need to admire their partner. When you're a big money earner and your husband isn't, it makes you question how feminine you are. That's not societal conditioning. That's creation. And one of the first God-given responsibilities that the man has is to make his wife feel secure. And this responsibility, in one sense, Isaac has failed at in our text. You could look at verse 9 and 10. And to understand this, you have to understand that Isaac was uh, functioning in this society... And he had uh, sowed uh, a, a lie into the, uh, into the neighborhood that instead of this woman being his wife, it was his sister. And Abimelech says, what is this thing that you have done? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife. And this man exposed his wife because of his own selfishness. It's upon men to make their wives feel secure morally. To do all they can do to reassure their wives, to cover them, and to protect them 
in a moral sense. How does this work? Well, I was reading one article from the Kenyan newspaper. When I lived in Kenya, it was, a, it was hilarious just to read the newspaper sometimes. So here's this article in the Kenyan newspaper. A woman infuriated after her husband looked at another woman during a church service tried to run him down with her car. She was booked for attempted murder. The dispute began when Renee Martin apparently caught her husband looking at another woman during service at the Baptist church. Martin hit her husband head on and he went flying. You know, it's possible for women to be overly jealous, but can I tell you something, men? It's your job to make your wife feel secure. This is where Isaac failed here. Because of his own selfishness, because of his own self-interest, he had placed her in a position of great insecurity and great danger. It should have been Isaac that made her feel safe, not Abimelech. Because you find that later, Abimelech in verse 11 charged all his people, he who touches this man or this wife shall surely be put to death. What a violation. That Isaac had exposed this woman to this insecurity and this moral, uh, uh, this breach, and yet another man has to come in and bring a covering over this woman. And I want to tell you, men, it is your job to make your wife feel secure. This can be done by you being willing to be accountable to her. This is, you know, this is what the, the, the issue of the internet and an internet filter is all about. If nothing else, just to make your wife feel secure. Not to mention the very temptation. Not to mention, oh, and I know, oh, we, you would never do that. Well, let's say you never would do that. What do you think happens to your wife every time one of these guys bites the dust? Well, if you'll ask her, she'll tell you what happens. It strikes deep in her heart and insecurity. And man, it is upon you to make your wife feel secure morally, to cover her. And you know what? You ought to get your internet filter and you ought to give her the password. And you ought to live life in such a way as you're not afraid to be accountable. You know, my wife always knows where I am. I don't consider that as a nag. I don't, I don't find that to be a leash on my life. I want to reassure her she knows my schedule. She knows my pattern in the morning. And if there's something that's going to break that pattern, I will give her a courtesy call, if for no other reason, just to help her feel secure. Because it's upon men to do that. Isaac failed at that. In another area, he succeeded, and that was in the area of making a living. This is another area of security, verse 12 and 13. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper. Now, this is not to say that a man has to be wealthy. It means that men ought to apply themselves to provide for their family. This is his portion. In Genesis, after the fall, it said, By the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. Or in other words, he said, For your sake, Adam, the ground is cursed, and you are going to provide for your family by working 
And you're going to exert yourself and be willing to do that because this is something that's going to hold your character in check. This is good for you. But not only that, because of the position the woman is in as the primary caregiver, as the weaker vessel, she needs the security of a man willing to sacrifice self-interest to provide for her. The problem is when you have men that bounce from job to job, they are unwilling to take a job that they feel is beneath them or their qualifications or the guys that are always running to the latest scam, you know. I, I don't even want to know how many of you guys, you know, bought lottery tickets hoping to win the big one last week, you know. And Christians ought not buy lottery tickets. Men need to work. And it doesn't mean you have to be CEO of a corporation, but just to simply be willing to bring a security to that family. The article I was talking about was dealing with men that either won't work or force their wives to work or allow their wives to support them. This, this article says when this certain woman comes home, she doesn't always want to be the boss. That's interesting. She doesn't always want to be the boss, just sometimes. <laughs> but she says her husband no longer has the authority to take over. I feel like his mother. In our text, if you read this, this is a time of famine. This is a time of difficulty. And Isaac worked hard. He sowed his seed. He did not run from the will of God. Are you listening to me, men? He obeyed God. He stayed in the will of God. He did what he had to do. He worked hard. He sowed his seed to provide security for his wife. And there's something noble about men that will get up every morning, even when they don't feel like it, Go to a job they're not enthusiastic about. Work with people that don't appreciate him. Endure the rigors of their employment. Bring home a paycheck only to have it spent on the needs of others and not his latest hobby or toy. And the truth is most women will be satisfied if men will provide a predictable security for the family. Somebody said a steady dime is better than an occasional dollar. And the willingness to pay the price, both morally and financially, women have a basic need for security. I want to look secondly then at the need for affection. Men don't understand this naturally. I, I read an article, it was one man's confession I call this St. Valentine's Day Massacre. <laughs> Listen to these words. This man is confessing. I had trouble understanding Shirley's romantic nature when we were newlyweds. Indeed, our first Valentine's Day was a disaster. He was going to college. He said, I had gone to the library that morning and for eight to ten hours poured over dusty books. I had forgotten it was February 14th. 
What was worse, I was oblivious to the preparations that were going on at home. Shirley had cooked a wonderful dinner, baked a pink heart-shaped cake, placed several red candles on the table, wrapped a small gift she had bought for me, then wrote a little love note on a greeting card. The stage was set. She would meet me at the door with a hug and a kiss, but there I sat on the other side of Los Angeles, unaware of the storm that gathered overhead. <laughs> About 8 p.m., I got hungry and ordered a hamburger at the University Grill. <laughs> I can feel it. After eating it, I headed toward home. Then I made a terrible mistake. I stopped to see my parents. Mom greeted me and served up a great slice of apple pie that sealed my doom. When I finally put the key in the lock about 10 p.m. and walked in the door, I knew instantly something was wrong. I'm very perceptive about subtleties like this. The apartment was almost dark. There was deathly quiet, and on the table was the still coagulated dinner and our best dishes. Half-burned candles stood cold and dark. It appeared I had forgotten something important. But what? <laughs> then I noticed the white candles, the red and white decorations. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. I stood there in the semi-darkness of our little living room feeling like a creep. I didn't even have a valentine much less a thoughtful gift for Shirley. No romantic thoughts had crossed my mind all day. Shirley went to bed and pulled covers up around her ears. I would have given $1,000 for a true, plausible explanation for where I'd been, <laughs> but there just wasn't. You know, the only thing that's encouraging about this story for both husbands and wives is who it is that wrote this. None other than Mr. Marriage himself, James Dobson. He's the guy that annoys us because he just seems like he's got it so together. You know what I mean, man? Mr. Annoying Marriage Counselor himself. That's encouraging to the husbands because if James Dobson started out making these mistakes, we are not alone. We are not alone. We are part of a large fraternity. <laughs> and to the wives, it's good to know that James Dobson turned out okay. <laughs> and that it's possible for men to learn. Verse 8 and 9. Now it came to pass when we had been, they had been there a long time, the Abimelech king of the Philistines looked through a window and saw Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. King James says, sporting. He was not playing tennis. <laughs> we don't know exactly what he was doing, but we know that whatever it was, Abimelech came to the conclusion Isaac, she ain't your sister. <laughs> that woman's not your sister. He was doing this publicly. Somebody said, what's the difference between a boyfriend and a husband? The answer, about 25 pounds. <laughs> now, <laughs> that may be true. 
But more often than not, the difference is right here. The boyfriend is wooing and romancing the woman. The husband often stops. Having bagged his quarry, he feels the hunt is over. That is a big mistake. It's amazing what happens to males when all of a sudden they see the object of their affection. It's amazing. You know, they learn how to use, uh, like, uh, deodorant. (laughs) They discover irons, you know, and comb their hair. They get some mentoring about how to treat a woman and how to win her heart. But men being men, oftentimes they stop. One quote said, although she wants you to feel secure with her and she wants to feel secure with you, she hopes you will keep on pursuing her even after you have won her. She needs affection. It's like the young piano student working toward his degree, talking to an experienced pianist, asked how the studies were going. The student said, thank goodness we finished Bach. To which the old sage replied, oh no, my friend, nobody ever finished Bach. You may turn him off, but you never finish him. You know what, man, that's the way it is with romance in your marriage. You never finish romancing your lover. You may turn her off, and that will compute into your relationship, but you're never finished. It's too rich to finish. And as complicated as females often seem to men, somebody said these words, one of their simplest needs is the simplest to give. A loving husband learns to show outward, tangible, physical, material expressions of affection. And in our text, Isaac was publicly showing affection to his wife. Man, have you ever noticed that when you're in the mall, how your wife wants to hold your hand? No? You haven't noticed that? Well, that's why you're here this morning, okay. the arm around, the open door, not to mention flowers, cards. Should I keep going, ladies? Jewelry. (laughs) Chocolate. Compliments. Like one guy said, Married to his wife for 30 years, said, honey, I love you so much, it's all I can do to tell you. <laughs> she needs to hear it. Do you still love me? Of course I still love you. Didn't I tell you I love you the day we married? If that ever changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's just not a weakness, men. 
This is a need. Just like sex. She doesn't understand your need for sex. She can't totally relate to that. It's, uh, women need sex, but they don't need it like men need it most of the time. And that's not a weakness. It's a need, isn't it? And just like that's a need for men, women need a tangible, outward, physical expression of affection. That's why women are always hugging on each other. You ever notice that? <laughs> They're always giving gifts to each other. Little, you know, I'll go preach revival and the, the pastor's wife doesn't even know my wife, but she'll send some little bag, little smelly bag home, you know, <laughs> to give to my wife. They're always doing that. You're, you know, my, my wife, you know, this is why your wife leaves you notes, you know, because she wants you to do that and doesn't understand why you don't do that. Phone calls. You know, it's like this couple was in for marriage counseling and the counselor was sitting there trying to get through to this man, trying to get through to this man, and, and he's just numbskull, man, and he's just finally in exasperation. The counselor got up from his seat, walked over to the wife, picked her up, and gave her a big hug and just, just patted her until she stopped sobbing. And then he stepped back and he said, see, she needs that three times a week, okay, at least three times a week. He goes, gee, I can bring her in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> Men, when is the last time you would have been in public with your wife and somebody looking at you could tell that she's not your sister? Now, you don't have to get carried away with this, but... You know, I've got daughters, and, and, and the school they went to in Kenya, they had a, a rule, no PDAs, no public displays of affection, you know. I said, God, that's good for daughters, but that's not good for wives. This is a need. And ladies, can I just, let me counsel you, go easy on your men. They need positive reinforcement. This is learned behavior for them. Women hold this theory that, well, it doesn't count because I had to tell you. <laughs> well, just go easy on them, okay? It's, you have to reward their clumsy attempts at this. And if you want them to keep doing it, it's like Pavlov's theory, okay? Like a little puppy that doesn't give him a milk bone, good boy. Reward him when he does this. Don't say... You're just doing that because pastor said so at the marriage seminar. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, maybe he is, all right? But just, you know, you got you to gotta understand that he's trying. 
and encourage him when he tries. And men, the Bible says if you love your wife, you love yourself. And the woman's the glory of the man. Listen to these words. The time finally arrives when she accepts your estimate of her as her estimate of herself. Let me say that again. The time finally arrives. Because, men, you get frustrated. You're beautiful. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. All right? You're not. No. No, that's wrong. Wrong answer. That's where ladies just accept it. Let him, let him do this. You know, I know. I, I, do I look fat in this dress? Do I look retarded? I mean, men. Don't even go there, man. Don't. Do I have stupid written across my forehead? Of course you don't look bad in that dress. So ladies, you're going to let him do this. You're going to let him, because he, he, he does think you're beautiful. Don't argue with him. <laughs> but, so the men can understand what's going on. The time finally arrives when she accepts your estimate of her as her estimate of herself. I have seen many ordinary-looking women grow into a lovely thing because her husband told her she was lovely. I regret to report I have also seen some truly gorgeous women gradually fade away because they were no longer inspired from the one source that mattered most to them. They need affection. I want to close very quickly with women need spiritual leadership in their lives. Verse 2 and 3. Then the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you and your descendants. I will give these lands, and I will perform the oath I swore to Abraham, your father. That explains why they were where they were. And the kingdom of God functions on a patriarch, patriarchal system. That means God has placed man at the head of the family. That means more than he's the despot and the wife and children are his vassals. It means that it is the man's responsibility to lead that home, to get the mind of God. And Isaac got the mind of God for his family. And all through the Old and New Testament, you'll find the man is the priest and the prophet of the home. This is not as mystical and strange as it might sound. The priest is the one that leads in worship. The prophet is the one that hears from God and speaks for God. And there are times that all women will struggle with positioning themselves under a man's leadership. The truth is, she would admit to you in the long run, she needs and wants her husband to lead the family 
spiritually. This is one of the great insults to modern Christianity, and that is the abdicating of men from the place of spiritual leadership. See, it shouldn't be on your wife to urge you to go to church. Shouldn't be upon her to, you know, to orchestrate the preparations for service and faithfulness and prayer meeting. That is a violation, men. It is upon the man to be the priest that leads the family to worship. I remember reading an article about Saturday night in in our home. This child was saying, Saturday night in our home was a time to get ready for church. My father would lead the way in preparing, making sure the children were in bed, making sure that clothes were ready and things were organized. It was our father, this person said, that made sure the tone was set and was leading our family into worship. It wasn't a tug of war on Sunday morning. It wasn't a question about faithfulness. The father is the leader of the home spiritually. It ought to be the father that's going, getting up for prayer, crying out to God for his family, getting wisdom. Husbands, God will speak to you if you cry out to God for your family. Think about Joseph and Mary. Here's the Virgin Mary, been exalted throughout the generations as this paragon of spirituality and virtue is worshipped, you know, and venerated. But if you look at the story of Joseph and Mary, there was only one time that the angel appeared to Mary. That was to let her know that as a virgin, she's going to have a baby. That was very considerate of the Lord. That was very kind. But other than that, three times, God speaks directly to Joseph to lead that family. Warning to go here, warning to stay here, warning to to move over here. And this is God's system, men. Headship is, is a responsibility that says, I will bear the yoke of leading my family. And your wife needs this. There's times there may be a bucking. There's times that you're going to have to tune things up, and, 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 and that's just part of marriage. But truth be told, she wants her man to lead the family in spiritual things. And ladies, you ought to let him lead. You know, I don't picture Mary pulling rank on Joseph, you know, and she didn't get away. Don't you just forget, I am the, I am, I'm, I'm Mary. The Virgin Mary. I'm going to be worshipped, okay? Prayed to. Are you going to be prayed to, Joe? No. No. I got saved before you. Some ladies just do fine serving God while their husbands are backslidden and carnal. Their husbands get saved and all of a sudden, man, this is wrecking everything now. Because her excuse for rebellion is gone. I'm not going to re-preach last night's sermon. But ladies, if you'll yield, you'll go a long way to encouraging your husband to get in the driver's seat. Abraham led his family in the worship of God, and God blessed him and his children. 
And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord. We just had Roman Gutierrez for revival. Have you guys had him yet? He has this intense testimony. And part of his testimony is that after he got saved, some guy on the job was harassing him. And he was going to backslide and kill this guy. He had already brought the knife, and he had already repented prior to killing him. <laughs> he was a new convert. He says, I can't handle it. I'm going to kill this man today. And they were in the truck, and this man started tormenting him again. And, and, and Roman was already backslidden. So he just turned to him and says, you know what? Because the guy's bragging that he committed adultery. He says, God's going to curse your children because of your adultery. And the man slammed on the brakes. <laughs> Roman was coming around with the knife. <laughs> and the guy said, what did you say? He said, God's going to curse your children because of your adultery. And the man began to weep and said, I want to get saved. <laughs> God will curse your children because of your sin. That is an intense, that is an intense revelation. Even the most hardened sinner is stopped in their tracks by what's at stake in male covering. And dad, you will either be a doorway by which all of hell and access your wife and children, or you will act as a shield to protect them. That's what it means to be a covering. You know, all this talk about global warming and the ozone, you know. I don't want to get into that debate, you know, as to whether man has the ability to burn off the ozone. But the, the idea is that the, if this ozone layer is depleted, much evil Radiation is going to be able to access human beings and hurt them really bad. And you know, that is a pretty good picture of, 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 of male headship, a covering. There are invisible forces, spiritual dominions, demonic powers and curses that have traveled down the lineage of your spiritual DNA for thousands of years, men, and the good news is conversion can break that and you can become a covering to those children and that wife in your obedience and in your righteousness. Verse 13 of our text, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I like that verse. That's the picture of a man whose behavior and his prayer and his faith is computing to his family. And that means more than dollars and cents. It means every good gift Everything beneficial comes down from the Father of lights through the channel of headship. And a man that will do what is right gives his wife and children an advantage in life. 
that other people don't have. Abraham's obedience gave his descendants an advantage in life to this day. Even in their rejection of God, there is something on the Jewish people because of a father who did what's right. And men, when you do what's right, there is a benefit and an advantage that computes into your family that other human beings do not enjoy in life. To have and to hold. Your wife has some needs. She needs your security. She needs your affection. She needs your covering. She needs you. She wants you. More than just the paycheck. I want to close with a story that I heard in Kenya just last week. I was there for conference and one of the Kenyan men was preaching and he told a story about a husband and wife in Kenya and they lived in the city. You have to understand the term up country. Up country is where all the Kenyans would be from. They live in the cities, but they're from up country. And the wife would have her parents up country, and, but would be living in the city with her husband and, and vice versa. And so they're fighting, and this husband and wife are fighting. They have a nice home. They have furniture. They've, they've prospered in life. And the husband, in frustration, says to her, that's it. I'm finished with you. It's over. You can have anything in this house you want. I want you to take whatever you want in this house, and I want you to get out and go home to your mother's. And you have till tomorrow to do that. He went to bed that night, woke up, felt very groggy. Looking around, doesn't recognize where he is. He feels like he's been drugged or something. <laughs> All of a sudden, as he's coming to, she walks in the room. He says, where am I? She says, you are in my mother's house. He says, how did I get here? She said, I put something in your food to help you sleep. She said, why have, you, why have you done this to me? She said, because you said, I can take anything in the house that I want and go up country to my mother's. Honey, you're the only thing in this house that I have ever wanted. The furniture's not important to me. The appliances aren't important to me. The car is not important to me. She said, my husband, you are what I've always wanted. He said, okay, I repent. <laughs> and they went back, and he did what he had to do to make it work. Man, your wife has need of you. And there are needs in her life that only you can meet. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. <coughs> to have and to hold. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And again, redemption illustrated 
as a marriage. Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. The church is the bride. Jesus Christ gave himself, gave his life for the good of others. That's what it means to be a husband and a father. Headship is far more responsibility than it is privilege. And I wonder, first of all, how many would be here, man or woman. You're here and perhaps you came in and you're not right with God. We want to take time for you to be made right with God because that's what it's all about. Without a foundation, the house will not be secure. And I wonder, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, there'd be people who say, Pastor, honestly, I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I've never been born again or I'm backslidden. And I'm not right with God. And I need Jesus. I want to repent and get saved. You lift your hand all over this place. Somebody's going to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but somebody will pray with you and you can meet God. Hallelujah. Changing the appeal then, husbands. There are needs that your wife has that, that are not naturally wired into your understanding. But you provide something in the physical and spiritual realm that is priceless. And for all the complexities that you may accuse the female nature of, there are some very simple things. You can provide her security, morally, financially. You can provide her affection, and reassurance, and you can provide spiritual leadership and covering. And if you'll do that, I'm telling you, there will be a dimension of the Holy Ghost that will enter into your home in a new way that will help you. God's dealing with both men and women, and again, we're not going to have a traditional altar call. There isn't room, but in our seats, we're going to pray. And there's issues in this sermon that God's dealing with both men and women, and I want you to acknowledge that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You lift your hands. Say, God's speaking to me. I'm going to respond in this sermon. I'm going to respond to what God's dealing with me. Thank you. Yes, hands are going up. How many more? Men and women, you'd say, God's dealing with me. Yes, God sees these hands. God sees these hands. God sees these hands. Let's just begin to pray right in our seats. I want you to do business with God. Oh, God, I'm asking you for a miracle by the Holy Ghost in lives. Revelation of your word, God, grace and dominion, I break every curse. God, I come against every opposing spirit, God, every unbelief and disobedience. I loose the kingdom of God in conversion, in deliverance, in anointing, in blessing, in reference point, God, and transformation of homes and children. Cause the blessing of God to flow to our lives and our children and our generation. Let's just begin to praise God. Lord, you are worthy, God. We need you, God. We need your grace. We need your dominion. And I thank you for the revelation of your word and your dominion in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a clap offering as our pastor comes. Amen. That's tremendous. We're going to break for uh, half an hour, probably to about 25 past 10. And if you make sure you come back in here and then we'll go into our final.
session. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Amador, ask God's blessing and dismissal.